Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's Sportlight Podcast. This week, we dive deep into a really important topic, the topic of being a great teammate. So what does it look like to be a great teammate during a game, during a practice, or even off the field or court when you're hanging out with your friends? And what can parents and coaches do to enforce these principles? Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hey, Dustin, how are you, man? Hey, Shad, I'm doing great. You? I'm doing so good. I'm really excited for this episode, actually. We put a lot of preparation into this and done a little research. And and so we're going to dive into being a great teammate. And Dustin, I had the opportunity to be your teammate. And I think anyone who played with you would say that you're one qualified to talk on this subject because you were a great unifying, motivating teammate. And so I'm excited to talk about this topic with you. Well, Thanks, Chad. And, and likewise, you know, we in our, our pre, uh, pre-show discussion, we talked about how great it is to just be part of a team at some point in your life, whether that was just as a child or as you get older, we're, we're all part of teams. We may not, they may not be organized and as, as uh, official, but we're part of family teams. We're part of, you know, you can, you might say your community is a sort of team, um, your work office might be a team, your church group might be a team. But, uh, you know, I know from growing up being a player in, in several sports in, uh, you know, in youth and high school and college and also being a coach and being in the sports world for a living that being part of a team is, is one of the greatest uh, blessings that we have in life. And you make some of your dearest friends. And so as, as parents, as we dive into this subject, like you mentioned, I think it's as parents, we need to understand that, that uh, the team opportunity, the, the lessons that are going to be learned and the value that's going to be gained from being part of the team is something that we do have the ability to reinforce and support and grow within our, our children. We also have the ability to really wreck it and, uh, and make it much more difficult for very important lessons to be learned and just joy to be had if we make it more about, you know, selfishly motivated things. And so I, I'm excited to kind of dive into this. I wanted to actually share with you, Chad, to get started. Um, you know, you, you, you came up with this topic of, to discuss today. And when you sent it to me, what do parents sometimes do, you know, to, to ruin team, team chemistry? That was one of the questions you wanted me to kind of think about. I found a quote by Zach Fleer is his name. And, and, and let me read that. He said, parents, whether you believe it or not, your son or daughter's team chemistry can be ruined at your dinner table or on the ride home from the game. Let your kids be coached. Don't turn them into individuals in a sport that requires total team effort to be successful. And Shad, the reason I like that quote, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, is that as a coach, and I've I've coached for a lot of years and been around sports for really most of my career and, and every day growing up. Um, I value that. I it's 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 actually the primary reason I got back into coaching uh, was I missed being part of a team, 
you can find other things to do to be competitive in your life if that's your your purpose. But being part of a team is isn't isn't that easy to do. And when you're trying to get a group of people all on the same page on something, and you have different beliefs and backgrounds and and abilities and things, it's a very difficult puzzle that a coach is trying to put together. And he's trying to find certain spots for everybody to fit. And when, you, when you're working hard to do that and you send a, a player home after a practice, you're kind of at the mercy now of, of sometimes what a mom or dad might say on that car ride home or at the dinner table. And if what the mom or dad are, is saying at that point is contrary to what you were trying to teach the boy that you're trying to build a relationship with and, and gain the respect of and things, it can really be counterproductive, not only to your ability as a coach to build that puzzle or put that team together, but also to the, the athlete's ability to trust the coach because they're going to be constantly fighting this. Well, dad says, you don't know what you're talking about, but I've also been told to listen to my coach and respect my coach. And you've asked me to go do this on the field right now, but do you really know what you're talking about? And I should be playing more and I should, and, and all the negative, you know, pessimistic and uh, negative thoughts come through. And so I think as a parent, we'd be wise to ask ourselves whether we agree with everything the coach does or not. What's the intention of the coach? What did he talk to my son or daughter about today? Right. Or what did she try to read? What's she trying to, to get across to her team today? And when the, our son or daughter explains that, ask ourselves, okay, how can I help reinforce that and support that from the coach and be careful to not say or do things that would undermine or damage the coach's ability to really build a team. Because if I do that, I'm really not helping my child. I'm going to make it hard because the coach is going to eventually see that, you know, that your, your child isn't bought in. Your child doesn't, doesn't respect me. And that could hurt playing time. And that can hurt, you know, a lot of things, but also is going to make the experience of being part of a team not as positive as that could it could have been for your child because you're throwing a wet blanket on every time that you know they try to feel part of a team and they try to embrace that team all of us together uh the team's better than the individual if we're together concept um and so as parents we have to be really careful that we don't do that yeah no and i love that quote dustin the i i asked myself the question because he said it can be ruined at the dinner table and the ride home and i you mentioned some of these things, but I asked myself like, okay, so what are some of the specific things that parents might do at the dinner table or that they might do on the ride home? You mentioned some criticizing coach decisions. Um, you know, I, I also wrote down here, you know, just some thoughts, talking ill of teammates and, you know, talking ill of coaches, talking ill of teammates, like all of that can undermine what what the coach is trying to create, they're trying to create this atmosphere where you have your teammates back, where you're there for your teammates, where everyone's being unselfish. And then at that dinner table, you get home and your parents are criticizing someone who's trying really, really hard, but maybe made some mistakes in the game. And, and it puts the kid in that really awkward situation, a sad situation, right? Where they're sitting there thinking like, man, I want to, I want to buy in. I want to do what my coach is asking me to do. I want to be all in with the team, but I feel this loyalty to my parents and I feel this loyalty to my team. And, and they yeah. almost feel like they have to be this chameleon, you know, adjusting their, 
their hues and views, depending on whether they're with their parents or with their team and coaches. And, yep. and so I could totally see that those little things that a, that a coach says or that a parent says about a coach or about other teammates is it could really ruin chemistry. And so there's really nothing negative we can say at the dinner table. That's going to help our child better the next day. I mean, there's there nothing, right. You can complain all you want. That's not going to have, make your child perform better. It's not going to give them more confidence. What it is going to do them is maybe build in an excuse as to why they're not experiencing what they think they should experience yeah. instead of saying, now it's okay to say, Hey, I personally think you should be playing more son. Um, but I'm not there at practice every day and I don't know your coach. I don't know what he's trying to do or what he's seeing. So my advice to you would be work harder, try harder, talk to your coach, find out what your doubts are, but talk to your coach. But you know, it, it wouldn't be um, responsible of me as your dad to talk about things I don't really understand because I'm not at practice every day and I'm not watching hours of film of everybody's performance. And I don't see your competitiveness and your, you know, your, your real grit and guts when, when the, when the game's on the line, like your, like your coach does. So, Hey, I think you're the greatest to ever play the game, son, but I'm not the coach and, and I'm not, so you got to go earn it and then let the kid figure that out. That's that builds resiliency right? That builds some, some responsibility and accountability, all things that we hope sports gives our children. But in the same breath, we sometimes take that opportunity for our kids to learn that experience because sports also does come with embarrassment and pain. And, you know, and there's going to be times of doubt and lack of sleep and uncomfortable moments. That's part of the, that's how you get the other things that I mentioned, the grit and the toughness and the resiliency. You have to go through the, the tough part as well. Yeah. And when I think about the most valuable things I've taken from sports now that I, you know, I don't play any sports competitively at this point in my life. And, but one of the most valuable things that I learned from sports from some good lessons and from successes in this area and from some failures in this area was how to be a good teammate, how to yeah. work with other people, how to, how to suppress my own desires or whatever for the good of others around me. And, and so reinforcing these things really help our children as yeah. they move forward in their life. So I want to get to question number two, Dustin, and that is this, I, I, I thought about being a teammate. You know, when we came up with these questions we discussed today, and I think that it looks different in different sections of a, of a team, of a player's life, you know, yeah. different parts. So there's the game setting, there's the practice setting and the social setting, if you imagine those. And so I'd like to take a little bit of time because I do think something that's done in practice might be totally appropriate. And the right time for that thing. But if you do that same thing in a game, you're kind of a, a punk yeah. teammate, you know? Yeah. And so, so I wanted to start with this question. I I'm super excited to see what insights that you have, but what does it look like to be a great teammate during a game? When you imagine your football team and what, what would you like your players to do during a game that would help them be a great teammate? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I, I first want them to commit 100% with all they have to their role. 
and to be humble enough to accept that their role may not be the role that they thought it should be or that they even sometimes want it to be, but to recognize that they have a role. And that's great that you're, you're even being, you know, given the opportunity in the game of football, you have 11 players. And so I've heard it once said before that do one 11th of the work. If everybody does their 11th of the work, it's going to get done. Right. So my role is to do my one 11th of the job. And that job may not mean I get all the, the praise and highlights a teammate does. My job is to do what's necessary so that at the end of the game, we have more points on the scoreboard than the other team does. And so understanding their role, um, I would also want 100% understanding from them that trust in their coaches. And, and that means that sometimes you may, coach may make a call that's, I promise you this happens, believe it or not. They don't always pat themselves on the back after they make a call. Sometimes they make it and five seconds later, they regret it. And five years later, they're still regretting it. I can tell you that from personal experience. But when you have teammates who trust your coach and they, they can say, hey, coach, whatever you say, we're behind you. We got it. Then And you can do the same for them. And that's, that's what's built during practice. That goes back to the first question. That's very difficult to have that relationship with the team or your teammates or your players if the parents are undermining that at home. Um, you know, and, and, and Doc Rivers, who we all know is a longtime NBA player and, and uh, NBA coach, probably more known more for his coach coaching than he did as a, as a player. But um, for you young kids listening, he used to be a very good basketball player too. But Doc Rivers uh, in the M- NBA basketball coach, he's talked about teams and he's had championship teams that he's coached, world champions. He talked about, Uh, toughness being the ability to do the right thing for your team when it may not be the best thing for you. So that kind of gets back to what I was talking about, about the role. I would want my players to understand to do the, be tough and being tough means you do what's right for the team, knowing that it may not always be the thing most comfortable or, you know, for you, but it's team first, no matter what. And if you get a bunch of players who are team first, no matter what, who trust the coaches and, and love their teammates, then you have a chance to be successful. It may not always mean that you won the game, but that's another conversation that maybe we need to have is what do we, what defines success? And uh, if sometimes we're going to lose games, but we still could have had a successful experience for our team and for the, the boys or the girls or the community, it's not always did we just win. Yeah, uh, that's great. In fact, I, I love this Dale Carnegie quote along those same lines as Doc Rivers. Teamwork is the ability to work together toward a common vision, the ability to direct individual accomplishments toward organizational objectives. It is the fuel that allows common people to attain uncommon results. And then Phil Jackson, the strength of a team is each individual member. The strength of each individual member is the team. I just, I love the idea that Dale Carnegie brings up here is what is, what is the team trying to accomplish? What is the vision? And like you brought up a great part of being a teammate is accepting your role in accomplishing that common vision. I, I had a few experiences where, you know, we've talked previously, but when I was a high school basketball player, I had a strength to shoot the ball, right? 
And quite frankly, there were some teams who just decided they were going to take that away from me, that I wasn't going to be able to shoot. But I also had one of the most talented guards in the state, Mike Hamlin, as the as the point guard. So if they decide they're going to guard me and not let me get loose at the three-point line, Mike Hamlin can dribble around four people almost any time he wants and, and uh, get a good shot. I had a, a, a few Chris Paxson, Steve Ernesti down on the block, Chavis Carpenter down on the block. Part of being successful was when I kick it down to them, if the defense decides to suck in on them, then they got to kick it out. Yeah. Right? And so sometimes my role was to shoot 10, 15, three pointers in a game. Other time, my role was to get the ball, do a ball fake and get the ball to Steve, Chris or Chavis and let them, if they aren't going to guard yeah. them, if they aren't going to double down on them, then let them go to work. And so, but but the danger comes when you start thinking, no, my role, like even from game to game, that I'm a shooter and I'm going to get my shots, right? And you start, if the objective is to get your shots instead of as a team to get good shots, yeah. then you start hurting your team by trying to get your to get yours, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. that attitude sometimes really when it permeates a team that people are worried about, you know, who gets credit for the success and things like that, it, it could really damage a team. And I, I think of a coach, you know, if a coach wants this, this attitude to permeate their team of, Hey, let's just all do our part to get the victory. Then a coach also has to notice, we've talked about this previously, but notice some of those things that other people won't notice. Notice the kicking out of the ball. Notice the yeah. shooter who didn't force a shot. Notice the, like as a coach is better at noticing those things that are invisible to other people, but that contribute to success, then those players become validated in that role. Yep. And they're more likely to continue to contribute to the team goals. C celebrating small victories and celebrating those what you just said, those things that maybe don't always show up on the box score aren't, aren't going to always show up on the highlight film. If you didn't get a lot of touchdowns in a season or you didn't you know, score a lot of points in a basketball game or something, you may not find yourself on all the highlight films because you weren't out there hitting all the threes and you weren't getting the dunks and you weren't scoring the touchdowns. But the the knowing that your team knows your role in that, really, I think for most elite level athletes and coaches. I think it's, it's having the appreciation of the people that you're going to battle with. For me, at least that's more valuable than what the outside world might think. As long as my teammates know my role and my, my contribution to the team and they appreciate it and my coach appreciates it. And they can, you know, of course you want to have it pointed out from time to time. It's nice to be recognized, but it's more important and more valuable, I feel, to be appreciated. And so when I have teammates who appreciate the fact that what I did led to maybe our win, even though I may not be the guy that's getting going to get talked about in, you know, on the media or in the highlight films, that's good enough for, for I think, the, you know, the real good teammates is I want to know the guys who I really care about opinions are the guys in the locker room with me. And they know. And we also have played with some guys who probably filled up the stat sheet 
or were law walking highlight film from time to time, but they didn't have the respect of the, all the guys in the locker room for other reasons. And so those are the kind of guys that when this, yeah, you appreciate their efforts on the court, but when the season's done or out in the community, those aren't guys you really respect all that much. You don't really grow to, you know, to, to feel the same for those guys. And so, you know, I, I, I think celebrating those small things. I know the Utah Jazz, I heard this once years ago, they would have a stat that was just deflections. And one of the coach's job was simply to mark deflections during a game. You'll, that's not on the back of a basketball card. That doesn't scroll along the bottom of ESPN when they're showing highlights. That's just who got the most points, rebounds, and assists, right? Um but they wanted to know who got the deflection that might have led to the steal or led to them stopping that team on, on uh, offense that time down the court. Because it was simple deflection that made the pass into the post harder. So they had to kick it out and take a bad shot, right? It was the deflection that caused that. And so if you're the guy who's getting the deflections during the game, Maybe you only had two points and you didn't do a lot of other things, but you had four or five deflections that your coach recognizes and that your teammate recognizes, hey, man, that's the reason we won the game. You keep doing your thing. That's why we're winning. That's when you start building teams. So imagine if that kid, I'll just stay with that on that line there or that that uh, topic. If that player who got four or five deflections that led to some, you know, that in the coach's mind, that's what helped us win this game, gets in the car to come home. And dad starts hammering on the coach or hammering on his son for not shooting more. Why aren't you getting more shots? Why isn't he calling more plays for you? Why aren't you doing this or that? Or why is he not doing this or that? Now, this what's the athlete supposed to do? Dad says, I'm not doing any good unless I'm getting more points or more assists. Coach and the rest of the guys love me because of my role and what I'm doing on the team. What am I supposed to do there? You know, and that can cause problems within a family dynamic and for sure within a team dynamic if that's the path that uh, we take as as parents or athletes yeah that's awesome i you know who's really skilled at this dustin what we're talking about as a coach is quinn snyder and you brought it up yeah but there was a long time there where people were having a hard time recognizing the greatness of rudy gobert because rudy gobert adjusts so many shots but there's not a stat for adjusting shots yeah. or for guys dribbling into the lane, seeing Rudy Gobert and just going outside, you know, yeah. and that happens when you watch a jazz game. Those of us who get to watch them frequently, you see so often guys that normally would keep going and do a layup. They see Rudy Gobert and they're like, ah, that's pointless. And they, yeah. And, and he does such a good job in post-game interviews. And when, when all-star selection time comes up, of really recognizing those things that maybe the lay fan wouldn't recognize. And, and I think being public with those things as a coach, you yeah. know, even high school coaches, when everyone wants to talk about the leading scorer and everyone wants to talk about that, you know, to, to really mention those things yeah. and, and to mention the subs that come in and, and give five solid minutes of great time and, 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 when we get back together just as a team after a victory or after even a, after a defeat, but talk about those great things that they saw. And the bench today was electric. Doug Meacham yeah. talked about that where he actually put a, a camera on the, 
the bench and had someone film the bench the whole game. And then he broke down bench tape <laughs> with his team That's awesome. and showed his team, like, look at this guy. Don't you love playing with him? Look how happy he is for your success. And, and so recognizing those different roles, even the bench role of a team is yeah. critical to building yeah. that team unity. You know, one other thing, Dustin, I just want to bring up, it's a personal pet peeve of mine. And, and that is when coach, or I'm sorry, when teammates show up their own teammates, we've talked yeah. about it before, but the receiver running down, you know, the field wide open beats his man quarterback throws it three, four feet over his head. And he does the pouting hands up, you know, to make his quarterback look stupid or, or the player who has passed the ball and, you know, the point guard thinks he's cutting one way and he's really cutting another way. And, and the guy like holds out his arms and, and just, or a very showy, like getting in the guy's face when he makes a mistake during a yeah. game. I just think that we're going to move on here to talk about practice, but I think that public uh, shaming or embarrassing of a teammate that, that is so detrimental to team to team chemistry. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree. So we have to be careful with that, and we want aggression, and you want your leaders to talk and to keep the energy on the field or the court or whatever. But there are certain times we're all everybody's going to make a mistake, and whether it's a coach or a player or whatever. And what you know, if it's a mistake. I don't know that getting in the face of the person and, and embarrassing them in front of everybody is the right thing to do. You might, you might at a timeout or something say, Hey, you need to, we need to concentrate a little bit more. We might need to say something to wake somebody up a little bit, but yeah, be being careful to not, it, it goes back to a topic we've discussed before. What's your intention? If your intention is, I know they're better than this and you know, I need to get a point across, or is your intention to show them up because you want to look like you're the leader? You know, you're the, you have all the answers. You were, it wasn't your mistake. It was their mistake. You want to make sure that the blame goes on them and not you for why that play didn't work or something. Um, that's a totally, that's a selfish, you know, motivation. And obviously selfish or selfishness is the you know, that's the kryptonite to building a good team. It'll never happen if you got a bunch of selfish players. Uh, awesome. Okay, let's let's transition to practice. We're talking about practice. Right? <laughs> I got so, you. I got you. Yeah. And some of the old, some of our, some of the uh, those our age will recognize that phrase from old uh, Allen Iverson. <laughs> That's classic. Right. Classic. One of the greatest uh, news conferences of all time. Go look that up. Yeah. More infamous than famous, but yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would love to know, Dustin, I, I have a few thoughts on this question, um, but what does it look like to be a great teammate in practice? What do great teammates do when a, when a team is practicing together? Do you have any thoughts on that question? I think the best teammates, well, first of all, the best leaders try to make the practice an extension of what the coach wants it to be because they oftentimes control the energy a lot more so than the coach does uh, and the attitude of the team. So your leaders have to be guys who understand that, you know, as, as, as they go uh, energy wise and focus wise, so will the team. 
-hmm. to be a great teammate means, you know, you want to be friends with your teammates. You want to have a good time, but there's a time to be, you know, loose and there's a time to be really focused and there's a time to be uh, serious and, 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 and determined to get a certain goal done. And sometimes that means you do have to raise your voice maybe a little bit. You do have to set a tone a little bit, but doing it in a way that isn't designed to embarrass people, but is designed to create a, uh, a focus level on the field or on the court or wherever. Everybody knows that this, we mean business here. We're here to get things done. And then you have to be able to do that by example, as a teammate, you can't be somebody that's, you know, saying one thing and acting a different way. And when you have a teammate who's struggling or a teammate who isn't quite there all the time, we've talked before in a previous episode that sometimes 70% might be all you have to give that day. You may have a player on your team that he doesn't have 100% to give today, only has 70. And the best teammates recognize, and that's where if you know your team outside of just the sport, you can recognize that, okay, he's given us all he has today, but he only has 80% today or 90% today. He's something's going on in his life and being able to put your arm around him and say, Hey, I know you, you give us all you got today and I love you and I'm here for you, but I expect you to give everything that you do have. And then, like I said, as a teammate, you better be, make sure you're giving it back to each other, but celebrating the small victories of your teammates, looking out for some of the younger kids that might be there watching you as an older, as a senior or something, you've got sophomores there that you can really make their, I mean, you, you can give them a compliment that they'll never forget their whole life. If you seek out a sophomore and tell them how much he contributes to the team, you show appreciation to them. Um, but how you set that tone as a teammate, celebrating when somebody does something right, pushing them when they're not giving their all, but understand there's different kinds of, there's a mistake because you just dropped the pass, right? That's a physical mistake. You miss the shot. That happens. It's part of the game. Not all the shots go in. In fact, most of them don't, right? Most putts don't go in. Most shots don't go in. Um, but there's also the mistakes of just not knowing your responsibility, not knowing your play. And sometimes that comes from not studying the playbook. That comes from not listening to the coach. That comes from not paying attention in a meeting that you had or a, when the coach was in the huddle or, or wherever uh, discussing, you know, in film. And that's something where as a teammate, I hope a teammate would say, hey, you, you haven't been paying attention. Come on, let's go. You know, and, and maybe I have to get on me a little bit, but do it in a way that I know they, they want me to be a better player. They're not trying to embarrass me. And, and that's our job as teammates to sometimes when that maybe is a, directed at us to be humble enough to accept it and then be competitive enough to want to go show our teammate who maybe just challenged me a little bit that I am all in, that I am ready, that I am prepared and give a little bit extra effort. And that's the back and forth that you get. An elite team seem to have a, you know, there, there is some pushing from certain alpha dogs on the team a little bit where guys get on each other a little bit. And they, but the best teams know that they also put their arms around each other and say, Hey man, I, I still love you and let's go. But I'm going to push you because I care for you. That's why I want you to reach your best, your highest potential. In fact, I, I wrote down just my thoughts in this area that a great teammate will really focus during practice on the controllables. And you've yeah. mentioned this, right? Yeah. Attitude, effort, like they could be very demanding when it comes to attitude and effort. Outcome, 
you know, like you said, some shots aren't going to go in. It would be stupid of a team captain, you know, to look at a sophomore shooting a ball and be like, dude, make the shot, right? Like, yeah. like of course they're trying to make the shot. Of yeah. course that's that's going on. And I also think that there needs to be a certain level of investment by those alpha dogs, by those team leaders. Yeah. Um, you know, if you see someone who's having a hard time staying in front of someone else, you know, I, I thought of a time when I was a sophomore, there was this kid named Ronnie Noel, and this guy was the shiftiest guard. And for whatever reason, whenever we played this team, I had to guard this guy. I hated it because he was just so shifty. I mean, I'm so glad that YouTube didn't exist back then, or I, I would have, <laughs> you know, been falling over. Right. But I remember a teammate who was older than me like taking me aside and he was shifty himself and said, dude, just stay an hour after practice. Um, and I'm going to try to beat you to the hole. And I just try, I mean, for an hour, I just, you know, right before we played Highland, I, I was sitting there just trying to stay in front of this guy. It was hard. It was embarrassing, but I got better at it. I learned little tricks. I learned angles. I learned these things. And so, so a, a person's criticism should only be valued as much as they're willing to put in effort to yeah. handle, right? Yeah. Agreed. And so some of these, to be a great teammate, I think you also have a great investment level in the success of your teammates. And so if you're going to criticize, but you're not willing to help, you're not willing to spend any of your time helping this person increase their capacity. If they're given effort with a great attitude, but it's not where you want it to be, then a great teammate will will say okay let's talk about it let's come up with a plan and how can i help you to be successful i you know we all watch that uh the the netflix show on the bulls maybe not everyone yeah. has watched the, yeah, last the, the last dance yeah this quote from jordan i'd be interested to get your thoughts on this but but he said my mentality was to go out and to win at any cost if you don't want to live that regimented mentality, then you don't need to be alongside me because I am going to ridicule you until you get on the same level as me. And if you don't get on the same level as me, then it's going to be hell for you. Now, I thought about this quote because I'll be honest, when I watched that and I watched him talking and his teammates talking about him, I kind of thought, yeah, even I think it was Bill Winningham or, you know, said yeah. He crossed the line sometimes, like he crossed the line as a, as a teammate sometimes, but, but if what he means by you need to be on the same level as me, see, if, if what he meant by that was you need to be Michael Jordan, yeah, then I'd be like, Michael, you know, there's one yeah. Michael Jordan. You can't expect everyone to be like you. But if he meant you need to have the commitment that I have, you need to have the work ethic that I have, you need to put in the blood, sweat, and tears that I'm putting in, or I don't want you alongside me, then I can see that being a teammate that's really helping people's careers, helping the team succeed, and a coach's dream. Yeah, right? yeah. If he's just frustrated that they aren't Michael Jordan, that they can't shoot like him, jump like him, defend like him, then I'm like, Dude, be grateful for how great you are and stop yeah. being a punk to everybody. But demanding effort and attitude, I think, is a different thing. I would love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, and and that's I agree with you. And that's why Michael Jordan, 
I, I appreciate that because I believe that it practices and in the weight room and in preparation that Michael Jordan, that nobody was going to knock his work ethic and his preparation to be great. And it's really an uncomfortable spot to be in if you don't care that much to win and you're with a guy like that. So it's probably best for everybody that let's not drag this out. If you're not ready, like you don't want it as bad as I do or as, as a handful of us do, you're going to be, you know, you've heard the phrase before, you know, paddle or get off the ship, right? If you're just dead weight to the ship, you're you're slowing us down. Grab a paddle and engage in this thing or, or, or be done. And so I think that sometimes that's the route you need to take. You try with certain guys, but hey, they don't have it. If you're a championship type team, you need everybody bought in. And when you have a player who leads by example. Now there's things in Michael Jordan in particular, if we're talking about him, we could do a whole other conversation on Michael Jordan and, and some, some cons to the way that he, you know, lived and, and coached or played and things, but, but you cannot doubt for a second, the fact that he expected the best effort from everybody that he has. And for some, that was uncomfortable, but those who learned to embrace it and gave all they had to it, I think Michael Jordan and the best, you know, I think leaders in the world do appreciate the fact that, again, you're giving me all you have and you're not going to score like I am and you can't jump like I can jump and you can't shoot like I can shoot, but you can do some other things really well. And all I want is all you got. Yeah. And that's teammates who expect that. And then teammates who are okay with being pushed by that alpha dog, humble enough to recognize it. We've talked before too, Shad. I just want to briefly throw this in there when I mentioned humility there. Going to a guy like that, you know, so so you're this example you just gave of this teammate of yours that called you after, you know, I know as a fact, I know for a fact, I played with you and know you that you were also the type of athlete that if you saw somebody else doing something, a teammate of yours who had a skill set that was better than you at something, the best teammates have the humility to go to that other player on their team and say, hey, man, you really do x y and z well i think better than me can you show me what that thing is can you help me can you you're 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 complimenting your teammate your teammate's going to appreciate it and probably be extra invested in helping you because they feel like you're their apprentice right they're mentoring you now and you're going to be able to learn from somebody who obviously has figured out some ways to to be good at that and but sometimes we don't want to admit to a another teammate that they're better than us at something. We want to find out other ways to get better and and come back and and be and show them where it'd be a lot quicker to just say, hey, hey, buddy, uh, you want to stay after practice and show me how you tackle so well or show me how you do that turn on the dance floor or how you hit that curveball. What do you do to see that curveball? I can't hit it. And but we don't want to admit that we recognize that they're a little bit maybe superior in something. And that's an ego thing. And the best teams have low ego, right? They're, there's not their selflessness on the team and their personal ambitions don't get in the way of the team ambitions. That's what great teams are built on. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that so much. One other aspect before we leave practice. Um, well, let me finish Jordan's quote. So we do the, yeah. the great one justice. I love what he says here. Winning has a price and leadership has a price. So I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenged people when they didn't want to be challenged. Once you joined the team, you lived at a certain standard 
that I played the game and I wasn't going to take anything less. You ask all my teammates, the one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't do. And I think that was, that's really important too. When people see this, they'll say, well, he really wasn't a nice guy. He may have even been a tyrant. Well, that's you because you've never won anything. <laughs> I wanted to win, but I wanted my teammates to win and to be part of that as well. And I think an important part of that is when we talk about Michael Jordan, of course, if you're demanding a bunch of things from other people that you've never been willing to do, uh, yeah, that you're kind of a punk of a teammate, right? Yeah. But if you are setting the example and you're bringing people along with you, then I think that that becomes more appropriate, even if some would view you as a tyrant. Um, you know, one other aspect of practice, Dustin, like we have all had that teammate that made the miserable fun. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That guy that like you're conditioning, you're doing something that you have to do to be great. And there's that one cheerful that's like, I love the pain. Let's go, guys. You know, like I love if you want to be a great teammate, that cheerful, outspoken, fun, just yeah, like when optimistic, things, optimistic. Yep. I love that guy. I, I had teammates that were like that, that just embraced the hard, made hard things fun. And I think that's another way to be a great teammate during practice, during those conditioning times, during those, the mundane times, someone yeah. who just really makes it enjoyable and are passionate about getting better. I love playing with and coaching people like that. That might be a great question for parents to ask their, their son or daughter, who's maybe struggling with lack of playing time or something is, you know, that uh, that's out of your control. Not that you can't work harder and try to get better, but coach decides whether or not you play or not. And um, we hope you play more or, you know, son or daughter, but how do you want to be remembered by the people who really matter? Your teammates, your coaches, how do you want to be remembered in 10 or 20 years from now? Because you can be just the guy that was on the team or the girl that was on the team that didn't play a lot. And maybe even the one that didn't play a lot and even had kind of a negative attitude and complained and caused drama and some of those things backbited about other teammates, tried to find reasons to justify why she was playing instead of you. And it was because her, her mom is friends with the coach or her dad is a booster or whatever, right? You can be that person. And then you're going to be remembered that way your whole life from the people who I, I would, ex I'd hope you wanted to be respected from, or you can be the one who maybe didn't play a lot, but that your teammates say in 10 or 15 years from now, they want to be around you. They want to talk about old times with you. They remember those practices. They remember those sprints because your effort and attitude in those moments was so positive and so uplifting. And you're somebody that they're telling their son or daughter about someday. I want you to be like my teammate, so-and-so who didn't play a ton, but holy cow, did she work hard? And was she positive? And did we need her on our team? She was the glue. You have glue guys on your team. Yeah. And they don't always play a ton, but they're, they're, they're glue guys. They're important. I know I find them early with my team. There are certain guys that are glue guys. This one guy keeps this group of kids together on our team. If we lose him, we lose four other kids. This guy's a glue guy in the school. He's a glue guy in the classroom. Might not be so much of a contributor on, on the field, but in the school, 
he keeps guys together. He keeps the meetings lighthearted or the bus ride lighthearted or whatever. And you understanding the roles of each other as teammates and then appreciating everybody's role and not belittling anybody's for not having as big of a role as the other person did. That's how you become a great teammate and in life, probably a great leader. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. Question four. And that's what does it look like to be a great teammate outside of sports? What social responsibilities do teammates have toward one another? And Dustin, you know, this is one I'm passionate about. Yeah. Right. Like I, I had a mom come up to me after a drill or after I um, spoke at a, at one of our events at a school, large school. And she came up and she said, something's missing from your presentation. And I said, what's that? And she said, you know, your presentation assumes that everyone who's on a team is part of the team. Yeah. And she said, that's not the case. And then in this case, she said, my daughter is on the drill team, but she's not part of the drill team. Yeah. And I just, for me, I, I do think there's a social responsibility toward teammates to ask ourselves when we're hanging out, who's never there. Yeah. Um, and why are they not there now? If they're choosing to not be there, if they have a different group of friends and things like that, it's not that we say, Hey, you be here, you're in trouble, but are there teammates who are sitting alone at home when they could be hanging out with the team that, that feel desperately to feel part of the team, but they don't. You know, yeah. and sometimes even though those little belittling comments, sometimes I've seen on teams where someone is just chosen to be made fun of, where they're the brunt of all the jokes on the bus and things like that. And, and then they go home and they sit there at home and they don't hang out with everybody. And I, I just, I just think that there is a social responsibility, especially for those leaders on teams to make sure that everyone feels a part of the team, that everyone knows their role and knows they're appreciated and knows they're welcome. And, and just, I would imagine that uh, someone who does this, that they would do things simple, simple stuff like, hey, I don't know what everyone's doing tonight, but me and so-and-so and so-and-so are getting together. We're going to the girls game at, at this high school. They're playing for the championship. Yeah. Who would like a ride? Who wants to go with us? We'd love anyone on the team to go with us that would like to go. That creates space for that person who's hesitant to approach and ask people to hang out to be like, I would love to go. Sweet, man. You're riding with me. Yeah. A leader of a team who will take that social responsibility upon themselves, that person will be remembered w way more than for anything they ever did on the field or the court or whatever. Yeah. And so I feel like there is a, you can't be a great teammate without considering that social aspect, the school aspect, how kids are treated at school and what you could do about that. I think that that's integral and you could be all of those other things, but if you aren't worried about your teammates off the court, out of practice, out of the game, I don't know that you could qualify as a as a your elite teammate, you're. I don't even think you qualify as a teammate. You've heard me say this before, Shad. You are a team member in that the scenario you just placed. 
or you just explained is the difference between a teammate and a team member. The, the word mate is used in other areas of life. You're a soul mate, right? You're, everyone's looking for their soulmate. In Australia, if you're a friend of somebody, you're called mate. Yeah. So if you're a teammate, then that's requiring that you're more than just a member of the team. You're a team member because you put on the same uniform and you go out and do a game together or you perform together or you compete in something together and you all wear a you know, a name that's the same colors. That makes you a team member. A teammate requires you to get involved in being a mate to them, being a friend to them off the field, really getting to know them a little bit, showing that you care about them outside of what they could just do in the sport that you play with them. And that's showing interest in people that may not always be people that you're, you don't have to be best friends, right? You don't have, but there is a difference. But if you're a teammate, you know, Eric Weddle, when he was on our our, uh, our podcast months ago, you know, just won a Super Bowl and played, you know, 13, 14 years in the NFL, talked about how proud he was that his guys he played with would call him an elite teammate, that they would, they knew that they could call him at two in the morning if they needed to, and he would come and help them. He got interested in their lives, what religion they were, what, the, how their kids were, where he grew up and he's with guys from all over the country and that's what's so great about team is you get to meet people that grew up in a totally different you grew up in california right i grew up in the middle of utah we met together in college we had guys on our team from texas and from you know from uh small towns and from big cities and from all over and you come together yeah canada yeah you come together and your team members because you all made the team your teammates when you decide to care about each other off in a social setting and off the field as well enough to sometimes check on somebody late at night or to call somebody on a weekend or even more so, which I've had, I've talked about this number of times, teammates of mine who I only talk to at Christmas time in a Christmas card sometimes or on a Facebook occasionally. But to this day, 20, 30 years later, I remember when rough times in my life have happened or rough times in their lives have happened, I know they're going to text me or phone call me. I know I'm going to hear from them or they're going to hear from me. It's just a different bond when you really become a mate to one of your team members that you can't take away. And unless you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's something that every parent should be trying to give their kids and every teammate should be trying to allow the others on the team to have and uh, if, if it's, it's so valuable and important to us and as a society, we need to have teammates. We just need to be mates to more people and, and people need to feel part of a team, feel part of a group that cares for them and is, is interested in them. And they have a common goal together to work towards something. We have too many people in the world now that just don't, they're not part of a team and they don't feel part of a group that really cares about them. And sports teaches us how to build that with all sorts of differences of, of people and opinions and things. If we could take that and put it into real world, into communities and societies and countries and governments, and um, we could solve a lot of the problems if we just be more like sports teams, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. In fact, the things that have meant the most to me, I've had a few teammates over the years. You and I are familiar with one, you know, he, lost a job and and had a a toddler pass away and 
I get this text, this random text. Hey, I don't know who else to reach out to right now, but uh, this is what's going on. And I just felt like I wanted to reach out to you. We hadn't talked for, for seven, eight years at that point, you know, and that meant more to me than if someone were to call up and say, Hey dude, I was just thinking about baseball and yeah, how good of a shortstop you were, man. I was yeah. just like that. I'd be like, man, you got a bad memory, right? <laughs> but but the fact that a teammate reached out to me in a time of need, to me, that yeah. was the greatest success I took from my college experience in baseball. And I've had a couple of teammates that I just I love them, man. I love my teammates. I I wish I did more reunions, got together with people more. Like when I go down to California, there's a few guys I always try to touch base with my teammates. Yeah. And, and I really believe that a coach, you know, we do some training like this, if any coaches are ever interested, but you know, when you have team captains called, like you, you get these team captains and you appoint them as team captains. Sometimes they're just appointed as team captains because they're the best players. Yeah. And so they get respect on the field. And sometimes we put them in a difficult situation because then we expect them all of a sudden just to be leaders. Yeah. And sitting them down and having them even listen to this part of it, you know, yeah. to this part of this episode and say, hey, you have a social responsibility as a team captain. And if you don't want to accept it, we'll get someone else, right? But here's what I need. In a game, I need you to inspire, encourage, settle down. In practice, I need you to drive. I need you to push people. I need you to be an an incredible example of hard work. And outside of, of practice and games, I need you to unify our team. I need you to make sure no one feels left out. I need you to invite people to things. I need you to bring the team together. If yeah. you're not willing to do that, then you're not captain material, right? Yeah. That's what I expect of my captains. And, and if we could train them, because I don't think they're that like aloof on purpose, but sometimes we just don't train them. We just appoint them. And, yeah. and so these areas of, man, if you have someone who are doing the things that we talked about today during a game, doing those things during practice, doing those things during off the field or doing those things, you will be an incredible teammate who is remembered long after you ever are done playing sports and people will reach out to you and they'll be there for, for you and you could be there for them long after, and you'll make an impact on a lot of people's lives and, and, your team will be more successful with leaders like that and teammates that are willing to accept their role and come in and anything parents do to undermine that they're hurting their child. They're hurting their team and it's just not appropriate. Yeah. They're hurting the whole, the, the greatest value that this whole experience can provide, which is teaching their kids how to do hard things, fight through hard things and learn how to do it with other people, how to take, Sometimes criticism from other people, adult, you know, leaders and things that are tough. But hey, when you get in the real world, you're going to be part of a business operation where you're going to have a manager 
manager who you don't believe should be the manager. And they're only there because they had the highest sales last month. And so they got appointed manager. They're really not a great manager. They're really good salesperson, but they're now in charge of you. And you've got to realize, hey, they it's a hard spot for them too. How do I make it work? Like these are, you had the same thing as a team captain when you were in you know, high school or college. These things just go on in life. A boss you don't really understand or maybe uh, get along with, but you got to figure out how. And it's just part of life. So yeah, hopefully parents, you know, we we're, we got our eye on the big picture. How do we make this a positive experience? And coaches, we do the same and players do the same. And, and uh, if so, then sports will turn out to be what it should be, which is some of the greatest memories and, and experiences that uh, we'll ever have with our son and daughters and as players and coaches. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks, Dustin. Thank you so much for your thoughts on that. That was a fun conversation. And Yeah, thank you, Chad. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining the Sport Light Podcast. We encourage you to share this with people who you feel like it would be valuable to. If any of you coaches listen to this with your players and or team captains, we'd love to hear your feedback and their thoughts and what they felt was most valuable to them. We hope you'll subscribe to this, share it with other people uh, so that they can benefit from it if you feel like it's beneficial. We sure appreciate you joining us on the Sportlight Podcast. Eyes up. Do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.